0: Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Before I jump into this morning's message, I just want to make a quick announcement about our Crowned with Hope Gateway Christmas Appeal. As you know, throughout the Christmas season, uh, we launched this appeal to uh, provide a generous gift to some people in our world uh, who desperately needed our help. Uh, we partnered up with a Ministry of Gateway called Bloom, uh, who provide hope and healing to young women who have experienced significant trauma in the Cambodia and Philippines. And, um, and I just wanted to let you all know that as a result of the Crowned with Hope Christmas appeal, and with your generosity and all that God's provided to us, uh, we were able to raise $215,000 uh, to support Bloom and the work that they do. Yeah, let's, let's thank God for that. I really do just want to thank you for um, yeah, your generosity you gave in, in different ways and at different times, and I uh, just want to say thank you. Uh, Bloom are doing a wonderful job over there in the Cambodia and the Philippines, and they're going to continue uh, helping young women who have been rescued from trafficking find hope and healing in Jesus' name. So uh, thank you very much for your generosity uh, during that time. Hey, uh, the United States has some very big universities, as you probably know. I'm a huge college sports fan. I love basketball. I'm pretty good at it, if I don't mind saying so myself. I say that a lot here at Gateway, don't I, that I'm a good basketball player, but it's true. Uh, But there are some really big universities over there in America, and, and the application process for joining these universities can be quite intimidating, and on some application forms at American universities, you may find this question, which to be honest, I would find intimidating. But, but the, the question you'll find on one of their applications reads like this. It says, In order for the admissions staff of our college to get to know you, the applicant, better, we ask that you answer the following question. And here it is. Are there any significant experiences you have had or accomplishments you have realized that have helped define you as a person? What an interesting question. How would you respond to that? Well, college applicant, Hugh Gallagher, decided to respond to this question in the following way. He said, I am a dynamic figure, often seen scaling walls and crushing ice. I have been known to remodel trains on my lunch break, making them more efficient in the area of heat retention. I woo women with my sensuous and godlike trombone playing. I can pilot bicycles up severe inclines with unflagging speed, and I cook 30-minute brownies in just 20. Using only a hoe and a large glass of water, I once single-handedly defended a small village in the Amazon basin from a horde of ferocious army ants. I play bluegrass cello, When I'm bored, I build large suspension bridges in my yard. I enjoy urban hang gliding. And on Wednesdays after school, I repair electrical appliances free of charge. I'm an abstract artist, a concrete analyst, whatever that is, and a ruthless bookie. Critics worldwide swoon over my original line of corduroy evening wear. Does anyone here wear corduroy? Great, because you would have had to leave, but that's, that's okay. I don't perspire. I have been caller number nine and have won the weekend passes. My deft floral arrangements have earned me fame in international botany circles. Children trust me. That's good. I can hurl tennis rackets at small moving objects with deadly accuracy. And I once read Paradise Lost and Moby Dick in one day and still had time to refurbish my dining room that night. I know the exact location of every food item in the supermarket. And while it sounds like my wife, Coles, Cleveland, we moved to Vicky Point, and it just threw her right out. Um, uh, While on vacation in Canada, I successfully negotiated with a group of terrorists who seized a small bakery. The law of physics do not apply to me. I balance, I weave, I dodge, I frolic, and my bills are all paid on time. On weekends to let off steam, I participate in full origami. And years ago, I discovered the meaning of life but forgot to write it down. I made extraordinary four-course meals using only mulli in a toaster oven. I breed prize-winning clams. I have won bullfights in San Juan, cliff-diving competitions in Sri Lanka, and spelling bees at the Kremlin. I have played Hamlet and I have spoken with Elvis, but I have not yet gone to college. What a response by Hugh Gallagher. Let's put our hands together for that wonderful response to his college application form, a very light-hearted response to an intimidating situation, uh, if I don't mind saying so myself. Hey, uh, the new year is upon us, and today I want to continue our summer series in the Psalms. You know, last week you had the pleasure of hearing from our Ormo campus pastor, Andrew May, uh, who was a great community, a great pastor, and I'm sure you all appreciated his ministry here last week. I was actually scheduled to preach down at the Ormo campus. And I'm not sure if you heard some of the rumors online about what happened, but they are true. Uh, I went down on the Saturday before uh, to Sydney, to watch our very own Marnus Lubbershane bat for number three on at number three for the Australian cricket team. Uh, It was a great day, but then uh, all flights back to Brisbane on Saturday night were cancelled because of electrical storms. So uh, neither myself and others involved, I won't mention their names, Nathan Reed and Jason Ellsmore, Uh, we were stuck in Sydney trying to work out a way to get home. I had to preach, Jason had to preach elsewhere. The bottom line is we didn't make it, we missed our preaching gigs, Um, but the good news is we got a second day at the cricket. Um, The Lord works in mysterious ways. Um, And I'm going to be in so much trouble for my senior pastor telling the story right now. Um, but it is, it is my pleasure to continue our summer series in the Psalms today. And uh, I've got a Psalm that I reckon is going to encourage us and serve as a great foundation as we kick off a new year here uh, at Gateway Redlands. Hey, um, the, the word Psalm simply means songs of praise. Both the Hebrew and the Greek title um, give us that title, that, that understanding, songs of praise. The Greek title is actually Samui, which is where we get the word Psalms from. And the Psalms were actually written during the time of Moses and David and and a couple of other people, and it spanned over a period of a 1,000 years. And these Psalms were written and given as a way for the people of Israel to express their deepest, most innermost thoughts to God during all seasons of life. And in fact, the overarching theme Of the Psalms is a worship to God in all things and at all times. You know, this year, this year could be your best year yet. It really could. I mean, this year could be one where you sense the overwhelming favor and blessing of God upon your life like never before. You know, for for whatever reason, maybe God's going to use you to do something powerful that's going to bring glory to His name. You know, maybe he's going to bless your marriage, maybe he's going to bless your bank balance, your business, your health, I'm not sure, but this year could be your best year yet. But I don't want to sugarcoat anything here this morning, and I also feel the need to say that for some of you, this year could be your hardest one yet. This year could be one that is filled with great change, challenge, and even crisis And by the time you get to this point next year, you'll look back and go, wow, that year was one of my hardest ones yet. You know, the dysfunctionality that exists in your family may still be there and worsen over time. You know, the pressure and the weight of having a mortgage may not ease up in any way, shape or form. Or perhaps you are hit with a significant challenge that knocks you around. This coming year could either be your best year yet, or it could be your worst year yet. But either way, you know, through the ups and downs, the wins, and the losses, the success and the failures, my question to us this morning is, how are we going to respond to those ups and downs, wins and losses, highs and lows, success and failures? Whether it's your best year, your worst year, how are we going to respond to it? Are we going to look at that challenge like Hugh Gallagher and and take a lighthearted approach to it? Or are we going to let the baby go out with the bathwater? What's going to be our response to whatever 2019 has in store for us? That's the question that I want to pose to us this morning. And I think I've got a psalm that's going to serve as a great foundation uh, for us all. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to Psalm 123. The words will be up on the screen uh, if you do not have your Bible with you. Psalm 123, and I'm just going to read the first four verses, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the psalm and share some thoughts that I believe is going to be an encouragement to us all this morning. Psalm 123, verses 1 to 4, it says this, I lift my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned, In heaven, as the eye of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy on us, for we have endured no end of contempt. We have endured no end of ridicule from the arrogant, of contempt from the proud." May the Lord add His blessing to those four verses uh, this morning. You know, as I mentioned just a minute ago, the, the overarching theme of Psalms is the worship of God in all situations and circumstances. And Psalm 123 is no different, and here's why. Psalm 123 is one of what we call the Psalms of the Exile. This psalm was written during a period of time in history when God's people, the nation of Israel, had lost the promised land. They had been taken over by King Nebuchadnezzar II and the Babylonian army and had been taken into captivity and exiled out of Jerusalem. For those who know their Bible history well, this was the time when the the, the temple was destroyed, the fall of Jerusalem occurred, there was lots of life and the nation of Israel was carted away to a foreign land. And, and as the nation of Israel, you can't help but wonder how they felt. You can't help but consider how difficult and traumatic this time uh, in their lives must have been. There must have been a lot of hurt, a lot of heartbreak. But what was their response during this time? You know, God had used Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon to exercise his judgment upon Israel for being idolatrous and rebellious, and they found themselves in a foreign land. How did they respond to this situation? Well, there are a number of books in the Old Testament that give us an idea and some insight on how they responded to this. You know, the Psalms, obviously, Lamentations, some prophets like Jeremiah and Ezra, all give us insight. You know, this morning as we consider Psalm 123, written during a time of heartbreak, a time in exile, there are also other psalms that give us insight to how Israel responded to a very difficult time in their lives. And I reckon there's some relevance for us as well. 2019, good year, bad year, I don't know, whatever it is, how are we going to respond to it? Here's a couple of thoughts that I reckon will help us as we consider the way Israel responded to their time of exile. Three thoughts, just to help you out this morning. And the first thought is this. Israel responded to this time in their life by living with guilt and condemnation. They lived with guilt and condemnation. Psalm 79 verse 8, one of the other psalms in the list of the psalms of the exiles. It says, Do not hold against us the sins of the fathers, May your mercy come quickly to meet us, for we are in desperate need. Friends, the people of Israel felt the weight of their sin and the sin of their fathers. They lived with the burden and guilt and shame of their sin, and their inability to come out of it will naturally lead to condemnation. Whenever you feel guilt as as a result of what you've done, that's good. That can lead to some other thoughts. But if we don't learn how to come out of that, it can actually lead to condemnation, which is not of God. And this was the way Israel responded to their time and life. Israel had sinned. They were idolaters, They were rebellious. They lost everything they had. They were under foreign rule. There were Israelites who felt the weight of this. They lived in guilt. They lived in shame. They just couldn't move past it. Who else can relate to that here this morning? I don't know about you, but, but you know, when, when, whenever I think about the various things that I'm putting in place to achieve the things that I believe God calls me to do and I fail, mate, the guilt comes in, the conviction follows, the weight of that is very, very heavy, and if I'm not careful, I can find myself in a place of self-condemnation. You know, when we fail in our attempt to read the Bible more, pray harder, serve effectively, eat better, drink less, save more, live well, love others, and pretty much fall short of anything we believe God is wanting us to do this year, we will experience that guilt, that conviction, but it's vitally important that we know how to exchange guilt for grace because if we don't, we'll live with condemnation, and condemnation is not of God. You know the Gospel of John chapter three verse seventeen says that God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, but to save to save the world through Him. When we go through this new year, and we put things in place, some we may get, some we may not. The outcome will not determine God's love for you and the plan that he has for your life. And it's vitally important that we deal with guilt in the appropriate way. We hand it over to God. We receive his grace. If not, we will find ourselves living in condemnation and life would suck. I don't know what goals you got this year. I got a whole heap. Man, I've been rattling them off by the truckload over the Christmas break. You know, this year, I'm thinking about studying again. And let me tell you, that'll be a, a huge feat for me. But I'm thinking about studying, I'm working on a book, you know, I want to eat better, I want to exercise better. There's another goal that I do have in mind, and I promise not to tell anyone about this. My wife's already hiding her head in shame right now. Move on from the guilt and shame, honey, at least the condemnation. Push forward, push forward. Um, but there is actually a goal that I am going for this year, and, uh, and it's, it's getting my bus license, now, I put this up on Facebook, and a lot of people have questioned me about this. Why do you want your bus license, and, you know, is there a concern you're going to lose your job and you need a backup plan? You know, what, 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 why do you want to do that? And because you're here, and I love you, even though I don't know some of you, I'm, I'm going to share my story with you very, very quickly. You now, when I was a kid, I had an unhealthy love for buses, bottom line. Played basketball for a club that owned its own bus. Our rep team got to travel around to other clubs and buses. I enjoyed my time in the bus. It had a TV and a toilet. I was living in the lap of luxury. Anyway, it kind of went on from there, and I found myself, you know, looking at other buses along the road, driving along the highway. I see a different one. Oh, yeah, that's a Dennings. Yeah, that's a BMW. Uh, McCafferty's, yeah, that's good. Sid Foggs, that's from Newcastle. Why is that up here? You know, a whole bunch of different bus carriers, bus models. I was a bit, bit of a bus fan. And, and this is where it gets really weird. And, and this is where I need you to keep this information within these four walls. All right? I don't want to see any of this stuff up online. I don't want to hear you talking about it outside of the church. But this is where it gets really, really weird, all right? Now, when I hit, hit high school, you know, there was uh, one year I was given, you know, my, my diary and, and books. And you know how teenagers cover their books with, with different things? Sometimes normal covering paper, but in other times pictures of like rappers or movie stars or whatever it might be guess what I covered my books with? Pictures of buses, all right? I had posters of buses on my wall. I love buses. That's that's just the bottom line, all right? And this year I decided as an easy win, I'm gonna go and get my bus license so that I can drive buses one day in the future. Um, You never know, a youth camp or a youth event might need a bus driver, and hey, I'll have one. So that's one goal that I've got for myself this year, okay? I don't know what your goals are. I don't know what it is that you want to achieve this year, whether it is reading more, praying more, serving more, looking after yourself, exercising, getting a bus license, studying, finishing a book, whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. But my point is this. My point is this. If in your pursuits of those things, you don't achieve all that you set out to achieve, that doesn't determine God's love for you and your place in his family. That's why we have the amazing privilege of offering our guilt, or or, or or handing over our guilt in exchange for the grace of God, and then we move forward with the blessing and presence of God in our life. How often, myself included, how often do we just beat ourselves up and drive ourselves into the ground because we weren't able to achieve something that we set out to achieve at the start of another year? We choose to live with guilt which mounts to shame. And if we're not careful, we'll end up condemning ourselves. And, uh, and that's not a good place to be. This is how the nation of Israel responded to their captivity in Babylon and their exile. Sin caused them great guilt and shame, but they couldn't, some couldn't get out of it and move forward. That's one way to respond to the challenges that this year may bring. You know, one of the other ways the nation of Israel could have, and if I was a gambling man and I'm not, could have responded to their time and life, was to not only live with guilt, but to also live with despair. To live with despair. Psalm 137, it says, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept, when we remembered Zion. No, I'm not direct quoting a song written by Boney M, all right, it's not what I'm doing, there. that's the inspired word of God right there. But, you know, as, as, as the people of Israel contemplated their situation, their exile, being in captivity, all that's happened, One way was to feel guilty about the sins of the forefathers and maybe themselves, but the other one was to live in despair. And these verses here speak of some Israelites who sat by the rivers of Babylon and wept over what once was. You know, they thought about this land that was given to them by God, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that spoke so much about the Exodus and about their future. They thought about Zion. They thought about what they had. They thought about the blessings. They were in the past, and they just could not come out of it. And as they sat by the rivers of Babylon thinking about back then and Zion, they were possibly and potentially, I wasn't there to prove this, but I, I got a hunch they were missing out on all that was to come. They lived in despair. They lived in hopelessness. They were stuck in the past. That's a very dangerous place to be. Once again, who can relate to doing that? I know I can. I know that as I think about you know, uh, the good old days or stuff that once was or great achievements or times of huge blessing and let's say for whatever reason, a change, challenge or crisis veers me into a different direction, I can easily find myself stuck in a state of despair looking back thinking, oh, if only that was. If only that happened, if only that didn't happen and I find myself in this place of despair playing the victim card. Living in the past is not a healthy position to be in, especially as we move forward into a new year. You know, I'm sure that a majority of us, if not all, in this room have at one point or another felt neglected, rejected, betrayed, abused, robbed, or anything else that has brought about great pain and despair In our lives, and as a result of that, we've got a choice. We can easily choose to live in despair, to live in the past, to wear it as a badge of honour, to play the victim card, to walk around and tell everybody else just how bad things were back then and how bad you were treated. We can choose to live that way or we can say, you know what, I serve a God of hope, a God who has the power to make a difference in my life, to bring about a brand new day, to instill within me the healing that I need in order to move forward and all that God has in store for me. Do you believe that, church? But sadly, there are some who not only live in guilt, but live in despair and are stuck in the past and are caught up on things that happened way back then. Now, if you are new here to the church and you don't know me that well, yes, I am a bit of a weird character, I get that. But let's not worry about that right now. I actually do have a heart. I might be sounding a bit harsh. And I do want to acknowledge that some people, if not a lot of people, have gone through some significant trauma in their lives. I totally get that. And I am not for a second trying to undermine, ignore, or downplay some of the significant hurt that you or anyone else may have experienced back then. I'm not saying, I hope I'm making that clear. So I reckon there may be some of you in this room who are saying, "But Pastor Jace, you don't know my story. You don't know my pain, you don't know my hurt. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what I, went, what, what I went through. And you're right, I don't. But that response alone I need you to get this that response alone is pretty much telling me what you've already decided for this upcoming year. It's pretty much already told me how you're going to respond to whatever this year brings. And it actually gives me a little bit of a sneak peek into your prayer life and discipleship as well. I know that's a tough statement, but it does. You know, when the people of Israel were exiled, taken into captivity, tough time, tough time. Destruction of the temple, fall of Jerusalem, loss of life, living under foreign rule. Some felt the weight of their forefathers' sin deeply, And lived with guilt and shame. Couldn't come out of it. Others lived in despair. They lived in the past. They sat by the rivers of Babylon and thought back and remembered Zion, the good old days. When there were actually promises that God had for his people that they could take and they could look forward to and continue to live the lifestyle of what I'm about to say right now. They're two of the ways Israel responded to what was going on in their lives. But thirdly, there was another response to the situation of Israel during the Babylonian captivity. There was a third way. It wasn't to live with guilt. It wasn't to live with despair. But instead, it was to live with praise. It was to live with praise. Psalm 106, verses 47 to 48. It says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, in the midst of all they were going through, how on earth could someone pen words like that? How could they do that? I'm throwing myself out there, full disclosure, once again. If I was in their situation, I I could easily understand how they would choose to live in guilt and despair. To me, it seems like the easiest thing to do. I know at times when things haven't gone well for me, I've chosen one or the other. How on earth could someone write those words, words of praise, during a time like the Babylonian captivity and exile? It doesn't seem Natural, and in fact, it's not. You know, God is the one whom we can turn to to initiate the praise that He deserves in all seasons of life, no matter what we're going through or is coming our way. With the overarching theme of the Psalms being giving worship to God in all things, I wonder if our response to all things this year could also be praise to the Lord. Goals, eating better, getting a bus license, whatever it might be. If it goes well, if it doesn't go so well, best year, worst year, despair, guilt. What about praise? What about responding to every situation with an attitude of praise that says, you know what, God, in all things, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to rejoice in you. I'm going to give you thanks for who you are and for what you've done, living with praise. You know, over this Christmas break, I've done a lot of things. You know, I've uh, sat on the beach. It's a very hard time in my life. Spent some time with my family, caught up with friends, did a bit of reading. And one of the other things I was able to do during this Christmas period uh, was to work on my book. Now, some of you may not know, but I'm, um, I'm an emerging author. Gee, that sounds good. Emerging author. And um, I'm writing this book called Jesus the Athlete. Um, I'm not calling it Jesus the athlete. I was hoping you'd get the Jesus the bloke joke there. That obviously didn't go down too well. Just ignore that one. Cut that out of the recording, please, uh, media lady. Um, but I'm uh, I'm writing a book called A Call to Sport. And um, as you guys know, in a former life, you know, I was a sports chaplain at uh, Brisbane Broncos and player welfare officer, and I've. Um, i uh, done, done sports chaplaincy, sports ministry in a whole bunch of different ways and different places, and, uh, and I'm really sensing the desire, which I believe is from God, uh, to use my experiences and my insights to help people who may have a call to sport work out what that looks like. If you love sport and you want to reach Jesus with sport and using sport, how are you going to do that? You know, so I've been... Um, working away on that, slowly, for about 13 years, and it um, hasn't been 13 years. I actually said I would release it by the time the doors to this church opened, and that hasn't happened. Um, so uh, that's all right. Once again, I'm not going to live in guilt and shame, which could lead to condemnation. I'm just going to keep pushing forward. Um, but anyway, over the Christmas period, I was uh, working on my book, and, and to be honest, as I started reading the manuscript, well, I hadn't touched the manuscript for about six months. That's, that's how long it had been since I last worked on the book, right? But as I was reading the manuscript, you know what I discovered? I actually discovered a very hurt and bitter author. As I, as I reflected on, uh, and, and just so you guys know, like my time at the Bronx and my time in the NRL and my time doing sports ministry... I was very challenging. Uh, I left those roles because a lot was changing that I wasn't ready for. I don't felt like they were looking after me as well as they could have. My family was suffering. So I made the hard choice to leave that and, uh, and to pursue whatever God had in store for me next. But you know, I left that time with a few thoughts going on in my head. One was, did I fail God and the opportunity that He gave me uh, in the game of rugby league. I sat in a very high seat in the game of rugby league. And, and did, I, did I fail him? Did I waste the opportunity to be salt and light in the world of rugby league? And all you need to do is look at the news lately and there's a lot going on in the world of rugby league. But that was one thing I carried. You know, and the other thing that I carried was, you know, I, I made some mistakes along the way. And, and with that, you know, I carried more guilt, more frustration, you know, self-condemnation was a place for me. But, you know, as well as that, you know, I do believe that, you know, I was, I was mistreated during that time. You know, there were people there that made life difficult for me and that hurt me. And, uh, and it took me a while to actually get over those things. And, and there's, there's a lot to share there. I'm not going to get into it now. You can read more about it in my upcoming book called The Call to Sport. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to talk about that stuff in there. I'm more than happy to talk about it outside of here though. So if any of you do have questions, feel free to hit me up. I'm an open book. It's all good. But as I went back through the manuscript for the first time in six months, I found a hurt and bitter author. And I saw some stuff like, nah, that's not right. Nah, that's not fair. Nah, that's not of God. Nah. That's not going. And guess what I ended up doing? I haven't told my wife this yet, so she could get annoyed. I ended up deleting the whole book. At that point, I was around the 18,000 word mark. Gonski. Gonski started afresh. God-given layout, God-given chapter titles, God-given chapter structures, just heaping brand new God-given content onto this book. Mate, for someone that got expelled from school in year 10, you wouldn't have known the difference the way I was writing and typing and spelling on my computer while I was camping at Coolin Beach Holiday Park last week. I was on fire. But my point to this random story that some of you are probably thinking, could you just get to the point, please? The random point to this story is I have made the choice to no longer live with any guilt, any despair, or anything to do with the past back then, I have made the choice to rejoice. And in fact, I have decided along with the psalmist that I'm gonna come up with a phrase of praise for 2000. Don't you love it when things rhyme? The choice to rejoice, a phrase of praise. Come on now, church, that is of God, right there. That's inspired, that's inspired. Write that down if you've got a pen and paper two things, write them down. But that's the choice that I've made. And you know, there was a time, you know, 2018 was a great year for me, one of the best in a long time. But you know, my time, you know, 2016, 2017, coming out of sports ministry, it it took me a lot of time to settle back into the lifestyle of a pastor, just been straight up. And in fact, my time in sports ministry, you know, made things very, very difficult for me. You know, I lost a lot of confidence. I was hurt. It, it, it retriggered or reignited some of the battles that I had with depression and anxiety. But you know, over time, especially as I read, you know, what I was writing down in my book, you know, I discovered that God's done a work in me. God has—he's been healing me. He's been restoring me. My book is a completely different book now, and, and I've made the choice to rejoice. I'm going to come up with a phrase of praise that I'm going to use at any point and during any circumstance in 2019. Could be my best year yet, could be my worst year yet, I don't really know. But my response is gonna be one of praise. And I think if, if, if I craft and if I shape a phrase of praise, that's what I'm gonna to turn to through the good and the bad, the wins and the losses, the ups and the downs, the success and the failures, why? Well, because in spite of what I'm seeing happen right in front of me, there's a God in heaven who loves me, who's got a plan for me. And that's the way I'm going. That's the way I'm going. I don't know what your year looks like. I don't know what you're going through right now. But as a church and as your pastor, can I encourage us us for 2019 to make praise our first response to any situation that may come our way. And in fact, I'm going to give you some homework. If this is your first Sunday here, I'm sorry, I've never done this before, but I'm going to give you all some homework. I'm not going to check it, so I'm going to actually trust you and I'm going to ask Jesus whether you did it when, we, when I get the glory, all right? But I, here's the homework. This week, why don't you get a pen and a piece of paper and like the psalmist. Why don't you put together your own phrase of praise that you will recite and that you will use during 2019? Craft it however you feel, whether it's declaring some of the truths of God's character and who He is whether it's declaring what He's done for you personally, you know, what He saved you from and where He has you now. doesn't have to be big, couple of sentences even. It can be like from, um, from the Psalm that I read earlier, Psalm 123. Just the first verse, it says, I will lift my eyes to you who sit enthroned in heaven. That's just one verse. That's the phrase of praise. Whatever comes your way, just say, will lift my eyes to you who sit enthroned in heaven. May that be our response in 2019. Whatever it is, your own phrase of praise. Once not you go away, write that down, craft it, spend some time on it, pray about it, and, um, and see if God turns that into a blessing for you this year. Either your best or your worst. I don't know. I don't have the gift of telling you that stuff, but maybe go in that direction hey i 'm going to land this message by going after a couple of people here this morning. Uh, as I was preparing this message, I have a very firm belief and and, and, if, and if no one responds to this, uh, that 's fine. it's just going to make me look like an idiot. Um, but I have a very firm belief that there are some people in this room here this morning who have made a choice, maybe not willingly or uh, willingly or consciously. But you've made a choice and it has resulted in you living in a state of guilt or despair for quite some time. I don't know if it's, if it's a constant failure at something you've been pursuing in your life. It can be a, you know, a practical thing or maybe a spiritual thing. You know, you've gone after it time and time and time again. And, and for whatever reason, you just haven't been able to achieve it. And as a result, maybe there's a bit of guilt, a bit of shame, and you've been living in this state of condemnation. I, I've got a sense of belief that there are some people in this room who just cannot move past something that has brought about great guilt and shame in their lives. And there's, there's someone else. There's another group of people in the room here this morning who I believe for one reason or another, are stuck in the past. You're living with despair. Yep, you've been hurt. You've been mistreated. You've been rejected. You've been betrayed. You've been robbed. Something dear.